0: Good morning. Um, I'm new. <laughs> so if you're a visitor here today, welcome. We're in this together. We are, we are learning together. Um, I'm so grateful to be here. Um, y'all have been uh, welcoming and generous to us, uh, primarily through the two Waynes, the, the law firm of Wayne and Wayne, uh, <laughs> Rhodes, Rhodes and uh, Morris have just been—I mean, my goodness, amazing! Um, We are already settled and uh, settled both in home and office, and I'm grateful for that. Um, To have the opportunity to remain in the Upstate and to have a—we asked for a church that would um, that had super potential and to be given this opportunity um, by um, Kathy and the other superintendents in this uh, conference to be entrusted with this place is just an amazing responsibility to me. Um, I love your spaces. i uh, been in the gym and uh, that worship service with the natural light and the, um, the music with the acoustic guitars as the emphasis has, has been really great. And. Um, I don't know. This space is okay, I guess. Wow. I mean, it's just, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is awesome. Um, I've snuck in here a couple times um, and, and just sat here for a while and um, you know I'm just grateful. So um, my name is Joe. I'm uh, 37. I graduated from the Citadel in 2000. I served churches immediately while in seminary. So this is my 15th year of ministry and my um, fifth appointment. That doesn't sound right. Uh, So I had um, country churches while in seminary. I was an associate of a church of the physical plan about this size. This is a little bit bigger than us uh, for now, Um, but I was the associate there. Then I went to a new church restart that was in sort of a tough um, place. And um, have been an associate at Malcolm Street in downtown Greenville for four years. Um, I have, my wife is Katie. It's confusing because my last name is C-A-T-E, Kate. Her name is K-A-T-I-E, Katie. So she is Katie Kate. Um, many times we will be somewhere for four years and people still figure her name is Kate. Uh, it's close. Um, I have two daughters. Addison is 11 and going into sixth grade, fifth. Sixth sixth grade, middle school. (laughs) Caroline is nine and going in the fourth grade. And they are um, a handful. Your house is amazing. It really is. And we are using uh, more than every square inch of it. I mean, we love it entirely. And it's fun to be in the neighborhood. Um, And I'm um, just, like I said, grateful for this opportunity. We've got something fun here right off the bat. Because I'm on the Conference Board of Ordering Ministry and I'm the conference candidacy registrar, so somebody's interested in ministry, which y'all have given a lot of people to the ministry from this church, when their very first step is to come to a candidacy retreat. And that retreat is wherever I am. So it's been at Buncombe Street for two times, and it's getting ready to be at Memorial United Methodist and the FLC. So that'll be in July, and I um, want to have hands on deck being friendly and everything to them. So um, that's plenty about me. Um, uh, We've got two announcements um, about today and the future. Need some traveling music. (laughs) Do you have any traveling music? Good morning. Just two quick things from Children and Family Ministries. I hope that you have planned to stay for lunch today, and if you haven't, I hope that you will. The hamburgers and hot dogs are on the grill, and there are plenty of desserts inside, so please stay and have some fellowship with the Kate family and with our church family immediately following this service this morning. The second announcement is about the Greenville Drive baseball game. We still have some seats left in our block, so we would love for you to join us. That's next Sunday, July the 5th, I think first pitch is at 4.05. So let me know today or definitely by tomorrow if you can join us. Tickets are $8 and I'd be happy to hook you up with some tickets and have you join us next Sunday. And I would just like to remind everybody about the Christmas in July shoebox drive. Your boxes aren't due back till July 12th, and we still have a few left, so if you'd like to pack one, you're more than welcome to. And if you have any that are ready to come back to me, you can give them to me or my parents, or there's a table in front of the stage in the social hall that you can drop them off at. Thank you. Thank you. Morris family. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Y'all like hamburgers and baseball? Is that what you're saying? Because <laughs> we are kindred spirits. Um, let us turn our hearts towards the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this house where we may come and worship. You have drawn us here to hear your word proclaimed by our prayers, our songs, our scripture, and our proclamation. Bless our gathering this morning, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to your word that we may be truly transformed in this service to understand your grace for our lives and for this community. Amen. Please stand for our hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father
1: Almighty, made of heaven earth, and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered and conscious blanches
0: was crucified, dead, and
1: buried.
0: The third day he rose from the dead.
1: He ascended into heaven, and has seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty.
0: Would the children please come forward?
2: had to tell Joe, Joe Kate this morning, Reverend Kate, that uh, I was the same person because when we sat out front for fireworks last night, uh, he saw a guy in shorts and a, a Nike t-shirt and a big old gray scruffly beard, and I guarantee it, my mother-in-law hasn't even noticed it, that I did shave. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I am the same guy. Good morning. Same guy. Uh, full church. We're gonna have a fun day. I know Noah said last night, he said, boy, two fun things in one day. The picnic here and then swimming in our pool. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Okay, we're gonna talk about the five census today, okay? And we use these senses to give us information about the world around us. For example, if I were to hold up a ball and ask you what it was, you could identify it by sense of sight using your eyes. If I were to ring a bell and ask you what it was, you would identify it by using your sense of hearing, which sometimes we don't use our hear- ears too good, do we, Xander? Ah, Xander's a good kid. If I put a flower under your nose and ask you, to, ask you to tell me what it was, you would say you would know it about your sense of smell using your nose. If I gave you a sip of lemonade, You would know right away that it was because of your taste, anything you put in your mouth. There is one of the five senses I have not mentioned. Do you know what it is? You do it every day, you'll do it today, you'll do it at lunch, yes, touch, touch, feel. We're going to play a little game to test our sense of touch. I brought a bag filled with a lot of different things. And I only put so many in there, so good. We only have four people up there, so we're good. Without looking, I want you to reach in the bag, and I want you to pull one of them out. Don't look. Don't cheat, because I don't have any blindfolds. And then I want you to tell me what it is without opening your eyes, and we'll see if you're right, okay? Without opening up your eyes, Hudson, what do you think that is?
1: Like a Nerf gun bullet?
2: He is exactly right. Xander, without opening up your eyes, what do you got? <laughs> it's not that hard, son.
1: Wrapper? Wrapper?
2: He's close. It's a, it's a paper thing for making candy or little, little uh, muffins. What well, we got, Noah? Ten <laughs> more. Noah's right. He got a piece of plastic or a piece of foam that I cut off of something. Lego? It's a Lego. <laughs> we all know what that is in my house. It says, sense of touch is very important. We often tell an object by, by its size, shape, or texture, all of which can be learned by using your sense of touch. This morning I want to tell you about a woman who experienced the power of Jesus just by touching him. One day Jesus was walking through a large crowd of people. The people were crowding around so they could they could hardly move. There was a woman in the crowd who had a very bad sore that had been bleeding for twelve years. She had been to many doctors, but none were able to help her. She had heard that Jesus, she had heard about Jesus and believed that he could heal her, but there were so many who were. Where were the people around her that seemed helpless, or hopeless? The woman thought to herself, if I could just get close enough to touch his robe, I would be healed. So she pushed through the crowd and reached out and touched Jesus' clothes. Her bleeding stopped immediately, and her suffering was ended. The Bible tells us that as soon as the woman touched him, Jesus felt the power to to go out of him. He turned to the woman and said, your faith has healed you, go in peace. And be free from your suffering. Won't you reach out for Jesus today? If you will, you can feel his power in your life today. Right here in this sanctuary, the picnic we're fixing to have after service the following week. So, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Jesus, we long to reach out and touch you and to feel your power in our life. Amen.
3: First scripture lesson reading is from psalm 118 verses 1 and 2 and 20 through 24 uh, this psalm concludes a section of the psalms associated with the celebration of passover as the last song of the group it may have been the final psalm in the mind of jesus as he celebrated passover with his disciples he quoted the latter part of today's scripture reading about himself in mark matthew and luke and the people greeted jesus triumphal entry with shouts of joy taken from this psalm. So this is Psalm 118, it's on pages 956 and 957 in your pew Bible. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Pray. Heavenly Father, this world has brokenness. It has isolation. It has illness, both long term and short term. It has death. This world has hostility and violence but this world has peace mercy and love because you have pursued us you come to us in every way you reach out to us and are proactive help us Lord in our pain not to turn inward not to be isolated not to think that we are the only one that is feeling pain and that you Are a long way off. As we hear the text today of your pursuit, help us to make that story our own, to understand you pursue us in every single way, in every way that we feel that you want to know, to love, to restore. Inspire us, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, God's generosity is abundant in our lives in every way. Let us return thanks with our tithes and other offerings. I have a slightly different way of reading scripture as a part of the sermon and that is to break it up as part of the entire sermon. Um, Part of that is due to my own experience in church um, with a limited attention span. You know, if a scripture passage was 41 verses long I I really wasn't hanging in there past 27. And that's probably generous. But uh, I also think it helps to slow down the story and tell each part and explain it to you. Um, I think the only change, everybody, you know, what is the ministry going to change? Um, I think the only change I'll make is I'd like you to do one thing with me, is typically, and at this point, um, uh, you know, I read the text and you say the word of God for the people of God, and you respond, thanks be to God. Um, because it takes me the entire sermon to read the entire text, I'm going to try doing that at the end and see how that works out. So Matthew 20, starting with verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So, um, number one, I forgot to say, I'm going to use the text, I'm going to use the version that's in your pew, so you can always read along with me, um, if you uh, promise not to read ahead. That's what everybody wants to do. Um, but that's in the NIB, Matthew 20, verse 1. So, so many significant details in just these two short verses. Number one, when it says, the kingdom of heaven is like something that happens so frequently in the Gospels, generally in a response to a question that someone has asked Jesus. Um, many times when someone asks Jesus a question, it's sort of self-serving. Um, can I sit in a chair beside you? Can I be the one blessed? Can you heal me right now? Can we have more food? You know, it's just a general human response is generally like, a, um, I don't know, a six-year-old. Uh, can I have more snacks? Can I have more snacks? Can I have more snacks? Can we have a snow cone? Can I take a nap? Can I wake up from a nap? Can I, whatever. That's the way humans are. And generally, to those, uh, in response to those questions, Jesus tells a parable. Rarely directly answering the question, but making the issue much bigger than the question that was asked. The other thing that's important is you might have heard at different points of your life, uh, as I have in in many varied settings and retreats and in worship services all over the place. um, I've heard someone talk about making a decision for Christ because it has such significant implications in the afterlife, has such significant implications for your soul and your entrance into heaven, which is um, significant. Absolutely, that's significant. But there's a far more um, proximate approximate place, a place that's right here, right now, where it says we are to take the principles of the kingdom of heaven and bring them here. Not that this place is this dumb, awful place where we can be mean and jealous and bitter, and then we get to heaven, and, and then we're not like that anymore but that we, in response to this world, in response to the love that God has already given us, are to proclaim the kingdom of God now, where we are now, here in Greer. The second part is the landowner is the one who went out, which I think is significant. I mean, I don't know how many of you like biscuits. I love biscuits. They're delicious. And while I would doubt, I haven't done extensive research, but I would doubt that the owner of any Hardee's is the one that's there at 5 a.m. cooking the biscuits. In fact, it might not even be the morning manager that's there at five in the morning cooking biscuits. It's significant that it's the land owner that's going out there, not the manager of the farm. Three, the vineyard is the setting, and two, Scripture connects to itself so often. And there's so many images. The vineyard is used throughout the Bible, um, talking about the soil, talking about the vine, talking about the grapes, talking about the wine. All these things are interconnected and used throughout the Bible. And so Jesus is tying into that again and taking very heavy concepts with people who can't read very well or at all and making them about images that they deal with all the time, which is entirely helpful. And four, there's a contract. You go and work for me each day, and I'll pay you a denarius at the end of the day. The contract, the covenant, is a part of the experience between God and humanity since there have been God and humanity. I'm going to make you a promise, and I hope that you'll fulfill that promise. So let's talk about the early workers. If, you're, the early, if you're, you're not an early worker, if you're the worker hired early, then it's done. It's settled. And there are a few things uh, more comforting to me than to settle logistics. Just go ahead and get it done. If, I, if I'm on a plane, I want to make sure that um, I've got a seat that's not in the middle of two people. I'm just too big for that. I want to make sure that I'm by the window because I'm basically like a 12 year old. I love to look out the window. I want to make sure that my window looking out is not over a wing so that when I look down, I can see all this, I can see the big buildings and the um, SEC football stadiums and whatever I'm going to fly over. I want to see it with my whole heart and with no wing. Um, I've been to uh, Wrigley Field, I haven't yet been to Fenway, um, the home of the Cubs, and Wrigley is one of the last old stadiums left that have um, big stands coming down in the seats. So you could buy, you could get your one shot to go to Chicago, your one shot to go to Wrigley Field. You could have a seat behind a pole and be looking at, you know, you're watching the game like this. <laughs> so when I was able to go there, I just upset, you know, I'm talking about months out. I might not know what pants I'm wearing tomorrow, but I had months out, I had looked and researched which seats were the best seats to sit in, in Wrigley. So to um, to lock up logistics, to secure something, is very helpful to me. Um, my children's electives—the way they choose the elect- the way you're able to choose your electives in their school—is to show up early. That's it. First one, first serve. And so I just take a, um, a tailgating chair and my iPhone and my headphones, and I get there before anyone would ever get there, so that I can make. Sh- I just want to make sure. Be done. And that's the fortunate part for these people. They're done. They've got their job. Now, they're going to have to work hard, and they're starting right now, but we know for a fact that we're going to have a job. Scripture continues in verse 3. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. So again, the landowner is going to them. But the major difference is I'll give you what's right. So um, we've just been through the process of coming here, the anticipation of moving here, all the logistics of getting here, thanks to the law firm of Wayne and Wayne. If I sat down with Steph Parrish... And they said, you're going to be employed by Memorial United Methodist. This is our expectations of you. And uh, in the um, uh, compensation line, it said, whatever's fair. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. You know, that'd be a little alarming. Whatever's fair. Now, that could be good.
1: Not so good.
0: But they have a job. These guys, if it started at six, they've been waiting three hours. It started at eight and it went two hours. They've been waiting a period of time to get a job, and now they've got a job. So whatever's right is cool. That's fine. Just happy to be working. Verse 6. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. So we sort of make assumptions when we hear a story, when we see something, our brain makes very fast decisions. So it's important to slow down and see what is not in the text. It's not in the text where they say, well, these workers slept in and didn't really bother with going early and they didn't get a job. He says, why have you all been here all day? He doesn't say that they were offered a job and they just didn't want to bother with it. You know, there's this job, but you got to handle sheep, and I'm not really a sheep guy. I'm not really doing that job. He says they've been working there. They've been waiting there all day. Y'all like waiting? Is that fun? Phones have made it a little bit more tolerable, but mostly waiting isn't any fun at all. If we wait more than five minutes, we start to get a little alarmed. And then we start to get a little grumpy. And then it becomes a story that we'll tell people for years that we had to wait in a particular line for a particular thing. Um, Any of y'all excited about Seinfeld being on Hulu? I'm totally excited about the entire series of Seinfeld being on Hulu. And I'm starting from, I'm talking about the absolute beginning. And he had a bit, you know, when the show started, he would have comedy bits on the front end. And he said uh, you know there's no hope when you go to the doctor's office because it's called a waiting room they call you there's no hope you are going to wait <laughs> now uh, I'm good friends with with tremendous doctors and the similarity that doctors have with ministers if I'm assuming if they have good um, what's it called um, bedside manner is that they listen And people not only talk about their knee when they're talking to their doctor, they talk about many, many other things. And the doctor is also talking to them about it's not just the knee, it's many other things that are leading to the pain of the knee. Just fixing the knee won't exactly help it. You're going to have to change some other lifestyle options. So, if they're good, they're going to be talking a while. If they're talking a while, then you're going to be what? Waiting. You're going to be waiting. That waiting is a different waiting than this waiting. This waiting is a super scary kind of waiting. And that's because these workers work day to day. I I earned a day's wage today so I can pay for my bills today. I hope to earn a day's wage tomorrow so I can pay my bills tomorrow. So if it's five o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't earned anything, Today doesn't care. Tomorrow doesn't care. I've got to earn money. It would be very alarming. It would be an awful, awful kind of waiting. Also paired with um, sort of a picked last for kickball sort of feel. So there's any number of reasons why it would be sad to be these people who have been waiting. So David Lose is one of my favorite commentators on Scripture. He's at Lutheran Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. And he said about this text... Let's first put ourselves in the place of the workers who were chosen last. Likely they had all but given up hope for work that day and soon would make the long and disappointing trek home. These aren't folks who are trying to make a little extra pocket cash. They are laborers who can expect to earn from their work no more than a daily wage. Just enough, that is, to support them and their families one more day. So you figure the, uh, the hopes of these guys, they were hired, uh, it's five. So verse 8, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came out, and each received a denarius. So I don't know if it was twelve workers, or twenty workers, or forty workers. But if you had them lined up from um, hired at 5 to hired at 7, 8 a.m., they're going to get dirtier as you go from this way that way until they're very dirty because they've been working so hard out there with shovels. Um, I forget which minister friend of mine said that the 5 o'clock guys showed up on the site as they were putting the shovels on the truck. I mean, that's how late these guys are. So he says, line everybody up and let's pay these people first and let's pay them a denarius. This is good news for everyone. Because it's good news for the guys hired at 5 because we got a day's wage, we just showed up. It's good news for the guys hired at 8 a.m. because they're thinking, those guys just showed up and they got a daily wage. No telling what, what, what we're going to get. It's going to be awesome. Sweet. Verse 10. So those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the the heat of the day. So they've gone from super excited just super angry in this much time because they received what they talked about. Um, this in the line had a promise of Denarius, everyone after whatever's fair. So they were hostile. Now, um, I saw Paige and some youth in the um, Contemporary Service, and I was talking to them about, you know, when Scripture's about Jesus and about love and about hugging, and that's cool, but if I said to the Salkahatchee kids who had been on that roof or whatever they did under the house or digging out the kitchen, and they'd been there since 8 that morning, and I showed up with a youth at 5 p.m. and said, wow, this youth has worked just as hard as y'all have, what would they say? Uh, <laughs> no. Negative. No know we've worked much harder and it's just human nature to compare yourself against everyone else in terms of duration and workload and significance it's also human nature to take that an extra step and wonder if the people around you are worthy of God's acceptance based on what they are doing or not doing saying or not saying it's That's just what we do. And those guys had real trouble with the generosity of the owner to the first guys. But he answered one of them Am I not being unfair to you? I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give you, I want to give the one who was hired last the same I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious? Because I'm generous. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So these guys showed up early, they were hired early, they worked all day, they've been there for one day. Did they build the wine press? Do they run the business? No. Are they the ones that organize and get everyone hired and, and to the place? No. They've worked there for one day. But it's amazing how quickly we can take something that we have had for just a couple minutes and figure that it's ours. And it's ours to determine what we do with in the future. Um, Katie was a sociology major in college and one of my favorite illustrations that they had in the class was that people take twice as long to pull out of their parking spot in the um, parking lot if someone's waiting for them to pull out. (laughs) They don't like it. Who are you? Why are you crowding me? I've owned this spot for 28 minutes. Okay, this is my spot. I waited and it's my spot. You didn't build this Walmart. You didn't pay this parking lot. You don't pay any bills here. I mean, you buy Cheerios. That's how you contribute to the business. It's in your spot. But we sure make it our spot in a hurry. Caroline Lewis is another, uh, um, uh, one of my favorites. She said, I think we have a fundamental discomfort, even a suspicion of generosity. Here's the rub of this parable, that generosity is not something to be understood and that we have an inherent resistance to receiving generosity. Because our human nature is to then assume that we did something to deserve this generosity and then wonder if someone else did enough. So why this text on this day? Because so I'm grateful for the people who poured their heart into making this place for so long. I'm grateful for you, for all the labor that you put into making it what it is today. But I also want you to know that I'm going to pursue with my whole heart people who aren't here. And I'm going to celebrate them every bit as much as I celebrate you who have been here your entire life. Miss, my goodness, Miss Anne, both of Miss Ann's grandparents went here. Wow. She told me that last night watching fireworks but I'm going to celebrate somebody who's been here five minutes with my whole heart. And I'm going to need you to celebrate them too. Because that's why why we did all this. That's why we're doing all this, to continue to spread the generosity of God. So, the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us stand for our final hymn, number 545, The Church's One Foundation. My goodness, what an amazing place to worship. I'm grateful for y'all's hospitality, for having us. I'm so excited to be here. So thankful um, uh, for the cabinet's support. I know Susan was here last week because I saw a picture. And Kathy, to have you here, I'm grateful. Um, The music in your church in both services is powerful. And I'm looking forward to um, complimenting that uh, the best I very can. So please receive the benediction. Go in peace. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.